This is Paris Fox, and you are listening to the Compliance Into the Weeds on the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist, and I am back again for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds with my good friend and colleague, Matt Kelly, founder and editor of Radical Compliance. Compliance Into the Weeds is the podcast that takes a deep dive, literally going into the compliance weeds to flesh out a story. Today, we're going to take a look at uh, one of the more interesting uh, variations or developments in the Trump risk phenomena that Matt wrote about today in a blog post called Salesforce Runs Into a Trump Risk. And I really thought it uh, was a fascinating exploration of the multi-levels of risk that companies face, not only from Donald Trump, but really in today's age of uh, heightened awareness in social media. So Matt, uh, sorry for that long introduction, but welcome. Well, hello, Tom. It's always good to be here. So Matt, what, you want to set the stage with uh, what Salesforce did that caused them uh, such a risk? Yeah, like we have seen with other companies uh, lately, the Trump risk is just the you know this most awkward and undiscussed risk that companies are facing these days of doing business with the Trump administration and somebody somewhere not agreeing with that and the ability for those people who disagree with it to really exact some some pretty painful reputational harm or more. Uh, so here's what happened with Salesforce. Back in March, Salesforce, which makes software for like customer relationship management, uh, for sales departments, even for staffing and recruiting, Salesforce signed a contract with the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency. This is a sister agency to the Immigration and Customs Enforcement. It is not ICE. It is related to ICE. It is uh, within the same Department of Homeland Security umbrella, but it is not ICE. It is CBP. Um, Salesforce was uh, signing a contract with CBP, and it's been providing services for them. And earlier this year, uh, employees and customers started to complain to Salesforce that they did not like that it was working with the Trump administration because of the Trump administration's stance and policy of separating migrant families at the southern border. Um, never mind that CBP does not really have much to do with the separation policy, nor does Salesforce's software and services that it provides to Customs and Border Patrol. Um, it, you know, Salesforce is not helping to bust up immigrant families or anything like that. ICE does that, and ICE does that with other software. But uh, employees and customers were starting to be unhappy with Salesforce. So what Salesforce decided to do, um, I think in the end of June, was it said that it would donate a million dollars to several different migrant charities helping with the family separation crisis at the border. Uh, the I think one of the single biggest recipients of that million dollars was supposed to be a charity called, I think it's pronounced RACES, R-A-I-C-E-S. Uh, RACES is a immigration charity along the border with Texas, and it has been one of the lead charities trying to reunite families, um, parents with their children, trying to make sure that the separation policy comes to an end, as the federal courts have told the Trump administration to do. Uh, but last week, uh, things got awkward because Racy's said it did not want Salesforce's donation because Salesforce was still working with the Trump administration through its contract with Customs Border Patrol. 
so what Racy's actually said in a statement, uh, first it emailed this statement to Salesforce CEO Mark Benioff, and then the statement became public. Um, and this is pretty uncomfortable language for anybody to uh, receive is when it comes to supporting oppressive, inhumane, illegal policies, we want to be clear. The only right action is to stop. The software and technical services you provide to CBP form the backbone that helps ICE operate efficiently. There's no way around this. There's no room for hair splitting when children are being brutally torn away from their parents. We will not be a beneficiary of your effort to buy your way out of ethical responsibility. And with that, uh, they return Salesforce's donation of $250,000. We might as well note Racy's has received more than $20 million in the last several months, so I'm sure it is a small amount of pain for Racy's to return that money, but it's only a small amount. Uh, but it is really a reputation black eye as they're basically telling Salesforce, you know, you, you don't get to buy your way out of the ethical discomfort you feel here just because you say you don't like the Trump administration, but you're working with them anyways. And now you're going to feel good by giving us the money. Take your money back. That's that's what happened. So it really that to me, Matt, uh, sets the stage, but it also really set the stage for what you wanted to explore in your blog post, which was that this was really not, uh, or working with the Trump administration is not a compliance risk per se, but you call it an ethics and reputational risk that raises some very, uh, you said awkward, unpleasant questions. I would have perhaps said difficult questions. Nevertheless, um, how does a company either assess the risk, or if they can assess it, then uh, take steps to manage this type of risk going forward? You know, that's going to be a, a very difficult question, like you said. And I think what is striking is that if the company in question, your company, listener, whoever you are, your company or any other company doing business with some unsavory government in some other country, we would have no problem talking about how difficult it can be and that this is third-party risk for you because you, the company, you're dealing with whatever repressive regime is around the world and nobody's going to like that and people are going to lean on you to cut ties with them. Well, that is all still true except the oppressive regime in the eyes of a significant part of this country is our own administration. So suddenly all of these feel-good ethics statements that we've had in the break room for so long, all of these pledges to be an ethical company starts to matter. Are you really going to do business with then the U.S. government, which, by the way, is one of the biggest customers for the biggest companies in this country? The government spends huge amounts of money. So everybody wants a piece of this action. Getting you to be a government contractor is, can be very lucrative, except for the part that now there are a lot of people who are going to say that means you tacitly support what the Trump administration stands for. And a solid, but clear portion of this country does not like what the Trump administration stands for, period. Um, and I've written about that before, that a majority of Americans voted against Donald Trump. A majority of Americans do not want Donald Trump today. Uh, he consistently is an unpopular president. president and the people who did not vote for Donald Trump, who did vote for Hillary Clinton, have a commanding share of economic power of economic power in this country. The counties that voted for Hillary Clinton account for roughly two-thirds of this country's GDP. 
So when they have these political frustrations that a majority of Americans do not want Donald Trump, they do not like what the Republicans are pushing forward, uh, but they can't get any political outlet for their frustrations. These are still very well-educated, well-informed people. They have a lot of economic power, and we now live in a very organizable society. So they're going to take out their frustrations in other ways like what we've just seen. Um, if you think back to about six weeks ago, maybe less than that, when the migrant crisis was really coming to a head, we had employees at Google, Amazon, I think Facebook and Microsoft all basically saying, we don't want to work with the government, putting all of these companies in a very difficult spot, because if your employees don't want to do it, like you're kind of stuck, especially if you're in tech services, because you, you your crown jewels are in the brains of the employees. And they're saying, we don't want to play ball with this kid anymore. So how do you handle that? It's been very difficult. Um, it is worth noting that McKinsey and Co., the consulting firm, just last week, they said they would no longer work with the Trump administration. They had a contract with ICE where the employees didn't want to do it. And McKinsey had no choice. You know, the, the employees don't want to do it. You can't fire them because that's what you're selling is the employees know how. So that contract also went down the tubes. Um, you know, like I said, this this is difficult because companies are going to have to think about how much do we really care frankly, about, you know, is this going to make a difference or not? Salesforce is a very large company with 29,000 employees, 10 billion and more in revenue a year. I don't think the share price is going to crater because uh, several hundred employees filed a letter with the CEO saying, don't do this. And a couple of charities are saying, we're not going to use Salesforce anymore. I don't think that's going to torpedo Salesforce. I don't necessarily think they're going to care. McKinsey had to care uh, because it had a very different calculus about where is the opposition to us working with the Trump administration coming from. Um, you know, if you're consumer facing and we saw this with U.S. airlines, um, I, I don't mean the, the actual U.S. airlines that I think is part of United, but several different U.S. airlines in June told ICE, don't fly on our flights with migrant kids that you're breaking up away from their families. We don't want that. Um, we are going to see this again and again and again. And companies are either going to have to accept that this is the hit that they're going to take and live with it. They're going to have to think about maybe we should cut ties with the Trump administration. At least some of them are probably going to double down and say we stand with the Trump administration. There is still a minority of people who do stand with the Trump administration and do want to enforce its policies, and they're going to oppose a company if it says that we're not going to. So there's no easy answer for a government, for a company here, but this increasingly, this is the big risk nobody wants to talk about. Like I said, it's not a compliance risk, but it's definitely an ethics and reputation risk that boards have to think about, and it gets to some pointed questions employees are going to ask, like, why do we have to take this code of conduct seriously? Why do we have to take ethical value seriously? If you, the board and the CEO, you think it's okay to work with this unsavory character, we can't stand, except the, the character is the president. And um, this is awkward. Nobody's got a good answer, but this is not going away. So let's explore a term you used in your blog post, Matt, called ethical offsetting. Um, it's almost troubling by that own term, but uh, it's something that I think companies use uh, quite often. And is that now going to be called into question? 
you know, I, I think it could be. And I credit uh, Racy's for kind of putting that idea in my head because of the line they said. We won't be a beneficiary of your effort to buy your way out of ethical responsibility. Like that's that is a tough thing to throw at a company and to an ethical to, to a company that says it takes ethics seriously. Um, I kind of viewed it as the inverse of a different concept called ethical fading. Now, ethical fading is a thing, and if you don't know what it is, um, you can find it. Social scientists have documented that this is what happens with people. Let's say you are driving down a long road and you keep on hitting one red light after another and it's this stop and go stuff and it's driving you nuts and you've done your best. You've stopped for the last 18 red lights. Finally, you get to the 19th one. It turns red. You say, screw it. I just did all of this good stuff before stopping for all the previous lights. I'm going to blow this one to get my green light and get on the cycle so I can go forward and drive uninterrupted. Your, your ethical abilities have faded over time. And so you engage in just a little bit of ethical fading, a little bit of ethical cheating because you can. You deserve it. You've got credit in the bank. Credit in the bank is a good concept because this, like I said, ethical offsetting is the reverse. This is basically Salesforce saying we're going to do this good ethical thing over here that everybody likes supporting a charity. So we can do this other thing over here that some people say is unethical, helping the Trump administration with its quest of busting up um, migrant families that are showing up at the Texas border. And, you know, I I don't know that ethical offsetting is something people do, individuals, but it's something corporations can do. Um, Corporations cannot ethically fade. If try telling that to the SEC that we cheated this once because we nailed the last three quarters, that's not going to work. But. That's what this is. It's ethical offsetting. They are um, doubling down on some good conduct over here so they can justify or write off or somehow excuse or tolerate something that other people find ethically questionable over there. And uh, Racy's hit it right on the head. And I mean, ethical offsetting just popped into my head as I was trying to figure out what is what is it that they're doing? And that's what they're doing. So I've been trying to think through a risk management strategy for this. So let me uh, run this past you and see if you think uh, this would have any viability, at least as a starting point for corporations. Uh, Number one, uh, sit down and get an inventory, get your arms around the number of government contracts you have and uh, the, uh, the quality and scope of each one of those contracts. And then from there, make a determination of their monetary value. What, uh, so that if you do have to make a decision to pull out, you, you know what the costs are going to be. So you know what your costs are if you make, uh, make a decision. And then three, uh, you have that information uh, centralized in some sort of document repository or um, information center that you can call up literally uh, at a moment's notice when the president sends out a tweet or it turns out that the uh, administration is engaged in some other form of horrendous conduct so that you're ready to respond. And uh, if you do make the decision or your employees do communicate to you that uh, they want you to stop, you have the information to at least make a business judgment call. Uh, Anything else you might add to that? Well, I I definitely think that is a a critical first step. And really, it's just completeness and accuracy of reports. And if you don't know what your exposure to the Trump administration might be, uh, then you're going to be on the back foot. Um, You know, I do think that 
at some point, corporate leaders, and I don't even know necessarily who would be in the room for this, certainly the board and the CEO and possibly others, you know, they would have to have a frank conversation with them, themselves. Like, how would we respond to this if this boils up? And what does this say about us as a company if we are you know, espousing our strong commitment to ethics, but a significant chunk of the population might perceive us as being unethical? What are we really going to do here? How are we going to explain it? Um, some of it might be having some sort of crisis communications plan at the ready. That's more of the corp comms team's job than a compliance officer's. But, you know, an ethics compliance officer might want to put a bug into somebody's ear, your organization. Like, how would we respond to this if this comes up? Because I do think the other part that we have to remember is, you know, certainly companies went through this um, in different ways before. And, you know, I, but I think the difference is that we, like I said, we live in a highly organizable society thanks to social media. So a few critics need a hashtag, a document or two, or a damning video and a social online presence in a dream. And they are off to the races to really put some uncomfortable pressure on a company. And it's hard to gauge when that might blow up. Um, but, you know, I certainly think that, you know, it is not something that uh, companies can ignore. And they, at the very least, they'll need to know what would our exposure be. Okay, then what are our priorities? Are our priorities really a high commitment to ethics? Have we defined that clearly to ourselves? Um, you know, is this really going to be financially damaging to us? And, you know, you, you just, you're going to have to think through what do you want to do. But time and again, we have seen this president putting, and generally, it's always some sort of immigration issue. We have seen him putting companies in very uncomfortable spotlights. Uh, this started almost immediately back in January 2017 with that first abortive Muslim ban. Um, we saw it again with the uh, white protest march, the white supremacists who marched in Charlottesville, Virginia, and how the president basically kind of ham-handed his way through that and ex exasperated every CEO on his advisory council who did not want this on their plate, but the president put it on their plate and they couldn't avoid it. Um, and we are now seeing outside stakeholders doing the same thing. Salesforce didn't want to have this issue on its hands, but outside stakeholders, namely racies, put this on their plate and they couldn't avoid it. I don't know if they got this right or wrong, and there are going to be other CEOs and other companies who will say, you know, we're making a ton of money off of migrant detention. We are very pro-law enforcement, and we don't care that this doesn't look good. This is what we believe in. We stand with the president. There are going to be companies that say that. You know, you have to think through what are our values, what are our priorities, what's our exposure, really, and what are we going to do? Because, like I said, this this is the issue nobody wants to talk about but is not going away and it's just one company after another seems to get caught up in this the president's going to do something else crazy next month and it's going to be some other company that gets caught in the crosshairs it's going to be something else in the month after that until he goes i don't know when he's going to go he might go at the end of two terms he might go in a couple of months at the two steps ahead of an impeachment i don't know but until he goes this is not going to go away. Companies have to think about it. 
Well, this has just been a fascinating exploration on multiple levels, Matt, and I really appreciate the way you've tied this in to really the economic power and the economic voice of uh, a large part of the American uh, electorate. And uh, my father always said that real political power was actually economic power. So we're going to be interesting to see where uh, this economic power might be go uh, might go going forward. Indeed, Tom. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance into the Weeds. If you have any questions, you can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. You can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. If you have never given us a review on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would do so. I would help get the word out about this most unique podcast. Compliance into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.